You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan and Nick. Welcome back, Nick. Love that hat, mm. man. I don't know if you know this, but I was in Ireland. Mm. Mm. Looks like Fred Sample. In Ireland. Fred Sample oh. hats like that, man. Look kind of fire. Yeah. I like it. Thank you. What a hater, Dan. Mm. Just immediately. It's it's too early in the morning yeah. for this game. Nick comes back off a two week vacation. And all of a sudden, all I'm doing is spewing hate. You know, my apologies, Nick. That's just yeah. not the way you expected to come back. That's on me. You had to, you had to take on my role the last two weeks. I see. You, you can, you can release it. Yeah, yeah. No, we, um, we had a great couple weeks while you were gone. It was actually a nice, pleasant uh, week, couple weeks in Gator Nation while you were gone. So please feel free to to go and and travel more often. Hats full tweed. Got to take it off. It's way too hot. I feel that. Uh, appreciate Zach Albaverde filling in, filling in <laughs> last week. A uh, week before that, we uh, we just did uh, the two of us. Great show. And then we did a bunch of pop-up shows, Nick. I'm not sure if you know, but while you were gone, uh, mm. I think the Gators grabbed four commitments. So, yeah. Big thanks, day in paradise. It's per usual. When Nick left, we, we had some fireworks going on. So <laughs> I volunteer. I volunteer to go back to Europe uh, and, and back on PTO. Uh, Hurdle 25, yeah. negative Nick back at it. So Nick, before we uh, get into the show, talk to us about your uh, your honeymoon and, and all of the uh, the wonderful European uh, adventures you had. Yeah, I had, uh, I looked it up. I was I left for Omaha uh, on the fourteenth, June fourteenth, uh, and got back July fifteenth, sixteenth, uh, July sixteenth yesterday. So like thirty two days, I slept in my own bed twice. Uh, have not been in Gainesville or home. Uh, it's been a whirlwind. Europe was dope. First time out there. Uh, went to Rome. The Vatican's crazy. The Colosseum was really cool. Other than that, don't think I'll be going back to Rome. Knock those two off the bucket list. Did you get some pizza. To, uh, pizza in Rome sucks. Mm. Just let you know that. Pizza okay. in Rome might be a hot take, might be uh, a fire take, I've, but I've never I've had a bad that. food take in my life. Negative Nick back at it. Hurdle 25. <laughs> I've never had a bad food take in my life. The pizza in Rome sucked. Uh, the United States of America does pizza better uh, than Rome. I, I won't say all I of Italy, but, but Rome. <laughs> I've never been to like anywhere else, but from mm -hmm. what people I heard, uh, our pizza is a little bit fattier, I would say. Mm. We've mastered <laughs> fat. We've mastered fat. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, did go to Florence for a day, uh, up to the, the not Florence, up to the Tuscany region. We didn't make it all the way up to Florence, uh, but Tuscany is beautiful. That's a spot I'd go back to in Italy for sure. Um, and then we went to Croatia, two days in Split, three days in Dubrovnik. Those two places are beautiful. Um, Croatian people, super nice, uh, really helpful, friendly. Um, and uh, that was awesome. Uh, got sunburnt, went and saw some islands, and then we went to Dublin. We're only supposed to be there for two days. Shout out to Aer Lingus uh, for canceling our flight. We got a little bonus honeymoon. Uh, yeah, no, that's I had to make Aer sure. Aer Lingus is a is a wild yeah, name, but that's A E R Lingus is the uh, Irish Ireland's Irish uh, travel line. Uh, they canceled our flight. 
So we stayed two extra days, got a ride home on Delta yesterday. Um, Dublin was cool. They Gaelic football, which is like a mix of soccer and rugby and, and football. Hmm. Only They only played in Ireland, but they had the championship in Dublin, so we were able to go to like a pub on Saturday um, and watch them. So that's super cool. They have 32 counties in, in the country, and you have to play the game for the county you were born in. So there's some like tribal stuff that goes on and, and hmm. Dublin was a madhouse for, for the championship. And, and then we got back, uh, got to figure out how to get out of a 14 day PTO, not watching anything that was happening uh, and get back into work mode. Happy to do it with you guys. though. Happy to do it with you, Nick. Uh, we're excited to have you um, as always. And um, yeah, a lot happened. So hopefully you did your homework uh, before today's episode. Um, but if you didn't, uh, we'll do a quick ad read and then we'll get right into it. So you have the next 30 seconds to go. As always, we do want to shout out our friend Alan Horn with State Farm Insurance in beautiful Jasper, Georgia, Valdosta, Georgia area. So if you're in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, or Alabama, and you are looking for auto home renters, life insurance, maybe boaters insurance, renters insurance, whatever it might be, go give Alan a call or visit him online uh, at alanhorninsurance.com. Again, that's A-L-A-N-H-O-R-N-E.com for Alan Horn with his insurance. Or again, you can reach him at 706 692 2888 again 706-692-2888 uh so we appreciate alan horn um in his sponsorship each and every week uh if you are watching on youtube please hit the like button please hit that subscribe button please hit that share button uh and we appreciate everything that you uh do to support stadium gale each and every week um Let's get into a few of the uh, announcements of the Florida Gators football team uh, since we, uh, before we get into recruiting, so Nick can catch up there. Um, if you look on Gators Online, shout out to, uh, to Corey and the rest of the boys over there for putting out great content. That's only Florida Gators related great content. Um, you will see their biggest weight losses and biggest weight gains of the year. So let's pull that up. Uh, while I do that, Nick, what are your thoughts on? Uh, who do you expect from this list here to be um, a huge uh, impact uh, for their performance? So if you're listening online, biggest weight loss, Jalen Farmers down 23 pounds, Dakota Mitchell's down 13, Christian Williams down 12, Desmond Watson down 10. That 439 number is still nuts to me. Justice Boone down nine, and then it moves down from there. But who do you think is going to have the biggest impact with that weight loss? You're on mute, buddy. Monk, say, hey, we're still kicks. Yeah. shaking off the yeah, rust. Still, still amateur hour. Still shaking off the rust. Um, for me, those guys, I think Damian George is a guy, Jalen Farmer guys. Uh, I think Farmer dealing with that arm injury, um, w interesting to see what he'll look like. He's down to 310. I think that's a good size um, for him. And, and then Justice Boone, it's interesting to me because he'll be playing defensive end, but I think there could be a lot of back and forth with Princey, Uma Milan and and uh, and him to just switch from buck or edge to defensive end and, and back and forth. So um, can he hold up and play at that weight, um, two sixty three, playing you know defensive end, or is this strictly just a move to edge and, and he's trying to get 
uh, a little more burst, a little quicker, a little faster. Um, Kelby Collins too, like I, it's only five pounds. Um, but it's interesting to me when guys come in who are freshmen and, and they might have, especially offensive linemen, defensive linemen, that you're as a high school player, you're just like trying to get to a number. And like that 300 number might look good on paper, but it isn't practical or doesn't look good. It doesn't play good on the field. Um, he might have lost five pounds, but gained probably like 10 pounds of muscle and, and just kind of the way that you manipulate those numbers with muscle and fat. Um, something that I'll need to do. Uh, over the coming weeks, uh, uh, coming off of this this bender of a honeymoon, um, so to me, I think those are the guys that I look at. Richie Leonard, I expect him to be a starter on the offensive line. What does he look like at three ten? It's only a seven pound difference, um, but how does he hold up? Because this will be the most he's probably ever played in in his career. So, any uh, big surprises for you? No, or, uh, I'll take, I'll take enhancements. I do think like uh, like. The number is, you know, it's it's important for certain players. I would say, mm -hmm. uh, overall body composition, uh, being able to gain, lose fat, gain weight, like Nick said, is is a thing as well. I do like. I don't care if it's just a pound, right? Anytime Desmond Watson lose some weight, I'm cheering. You know what I'm saying? Uh, not just for football, but for life. You feel me? I think he needs to get in better shape. So glad he's down ten. Uh, we're gonna rely on him. Uh, uh, not as much on snaps. Uh, my man Jack Pyburn. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't mind seeing him at edge. I think, you know, he needs some burst. 253 is good weight. Kelby Collins, like Nick said, like I'm, I'm with, a lot of what Nick said was on point, so I don't want to regurgitate mm -hmm. um, some of the same stuff. Uh, Dakota Mitchell is interesting from 198 to 185 at safety. Mm -hmm. um, seems light. Seems light, right? Uh, he isn't the tallest kid, but 13 pounds is a lot for a defensive back. So interested to see what his body looked like. There was a picture of the uh, secondary on, on the socials this weekend. Uh, he wasn't in that picture, but I do like um, somebody you can put on muscle, but then you're just a bodybuilder, right? Uh, I, I like the way these guys look like athletes, not just uh, big muscles. So we'll see where we at with it. Um, just speaking, of, they don't have height, but I think <laughs> I think Devin Moore grew like two inches, man. Um, there's no way he's the same height for you guy here. I know guys like uh, uh, Miguel Mitchell is 6'2 easily, and he's towering the whole secondary. Like he's growing, definitely. He's got to be at least six three. Um, so overall, hey. Sorry, sorry. YouTube. Oh, shout out to YouTube. Uh, overall, I do like, you know, the way the DB room is looking physically. Perfect. Let's uh, let's go down. We got biggest weight gains here. Um, Bryce Lovett up the most at nineteen pounds. Uh, Justin Pellick. Uh, Walk on linebackers up 18. Cam Jackson uh, up to 371 from 355. Uh, the transfer from Memphis. Uh, Micah Leon is up 13 pounds. He's from um, Omaha, right, Nick? Is that, that the one from Omaha that owns a restaurant? Or am I thinking yes. of a different guy? Or am I thinking yeah. of Parker? It was uh, Micah. Parker, the, Micah's Parker. the UConn transfer, right? Yeah, Parker. Yep. Yeah, the Parker's the one from Omaha. Mike is the UConn transfer. Uh, Will Norman up to 293. Looks like a healthy weight. Uh, Princey Eumann Milan up to 254 at edge. I uh, saw a mock draft the other day. Yesterday, uh, it's the first um, all seven round mock draft that I saw. Uh, way too early, obviously, for that. Uh, but they had Prince Eumann Milan in the first round, which was cool to see. Uh, Ethan Pouncey up to 173, up nine pounds. Caleb Banks. Uh, up eight pounds, Trayon Webb up eight pounds, and then it goes on. Deuce Spurlock 
uh, the new transfer, uh, Micah Mazuka up to 337. Um, any names that stick out to you guys uh, on this list? You want to go first since I stole I stole your your thunder last time. So, uh, yeah, I mean this whole list is impressive, especially because it's a bunch of trench guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Cam Jackson uh, jumping up thirty pounds at defensive tackle. I love 16, that. Him and Will pounds. Norman, sixteen pounds. I'm sorry, sixteen pounds. Will Norman as well. Um, all the all the trenches guys is, is super interesting. Uh, Jamarcus Weston, even though he's up pounds and he's lifting crazy things on the internet. I don't know where we at with uh, him being a football player, but <laughs> I love the the trenches guys, bro. Uh, all all, you know, they, these this staff is big on size, but appropriate size. But as, as we can see in their recruiting process, that they love big guys. Um, so this is good, man. I think our, our season is dependent on the trenches on both sides of the mm-hmm. ball. Mm-hmm. To take a different a different spin there, look at the defensive backs. Like this, mm-hmm. these are the defensive backs have gotten huge. You look at Jaden Hill, who's been one of the most physically impressive like uh, when he goes to like pro day uh he'll have a crazy pro day with the numbers that he has and like his vert and his 40 um now almost 200 pounds jason marshall's up to over 200 pounds jalen kimbers up near buck 90 um devin moore is near 200 pounds Aaron gates a freshman up seven pounds near 200 now um when i look at the defensive back room i think okay these guys have have been eating their protein shakes and, and lifting their weights. Yeah, everybody's been in the gym. Absolutely. Um, yeah, obviously a, a lot of impressive guys there. Uh, this is just during the summer. Obviously, there's going to be some some more weight changes. You're probably going to see some guys lose some weight um, during obviously during fall you know camp and everything else. But uh, you know, definitely impressive. Nick, you said what I was going to say. You're you're seeing some of these DBs getting to be up around 200 pounds and even, you know, guys that aren't safeties and everything else, which I think is what makes that Jamarcus Weston or Dakota Mitchell down so much. Um, kind of surprising, but other than that, um, you know, great size, but you know, now Florida has multiple guys in the defensive line that are at 325 or higher, 323 or higher. Uh, you have a bunch of offensive linemen that are going to eat up space. Um, that's going to be a heavy offensive line this year. And after spending a few years, uh, watching what their um, line looked like under Dan Mullen and Jim McAway. And it's certainly nice to see some of these beefier guys that are that are able to move. But I'm excited to see Micah Mazuka at 337 uh, as he comes off of injury. But you know, ultimately, again, you know, some some thick boys with two C's uh, on the roster this year. So um, we got uh, Rob Cohen in the chat. Did you guys see Jamarcus Weston bench 450 the other day? I think everybody saw it. Um, pretty impressive. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see it. What yep. day was that? Mm, Saturday, maybe. Oh, uh, look good. You know, four hundred and fifty pounds on the bench press, Nick. That's um, a lot of weight. You know, again, don't know if I need the a defensive back or a safety benching four fifty, but the fact that he can do it means that he can do a couple hundred pounds more than I can. So, shout out to Jamarcus Webbs. Oh, uh, I, oh, oh! I thought I read that as Watson. I thought it was Des Watson. No. Yeah, Jamarcus is. West End Press was wild. I mean, that's, yeah, uh, that's been more than double his, his body weight. Dez benching his weight wouldn't be impressive. impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, so Dez benched five more. Like, Dez did a push-up with, with- – <laughs> Jamarcus Weston weighs 235 pounds. It seems massive for Got a long safety. arms as well. Yeah. Yeah. Super impressive. So, uh, I just need to see what he looks like on the field. Um, but that, that's that's uh, definitely a nod to our strength and conditioning staff. 
Dakota Mitchell's five eleven, so him he probably trying to get more faster. I would say, yeah. If he lost yeah. weight and that was the aim for him in the gym, because I, I don't think any of this is by accident. Uh, so if that was the aim. I think it's for him to get faster, if anything. Uh, there is a question here in the chat. What did Desmond Watson come into Florida weighing? I think four fifteen. I mean, that's what he was listed as. But yeah, I think, I think I think it was Mullen. But he committed to Mullen, right? Yeah, he did. Um, yeah. I remember asking Dan when he was coming off a podium, like, "Hey, this weight for this incoming freshman might be wrong." <clears throat> he looked at it, and it was like four hundred and forty pounds is what he weighed when he enrolled. Yeah, and Dan was like, he was nearer to five hundred than the four forty. Or he said he was closer to five than he was four when he came, and and it's obviously just a uh, weight is just a battle that he has, um, mm-hmm. and and you look you, you see him get get it under control for a while, and then it kind of slips away, and um, and I know it's hard on him, um, and it's easy for us to say just like hey, just don't do that, um, and there's probably other factors um, that go into his weight. Um, you want to see him get it down for sure. Like he's very serviceable at that mm-hmm. weight. How much better could you be? And then just from a life standpoint, how much of a better life will you be able to live at 380? You can still do your job at 380 um, and maybe even do it better than you are at 430 and your, and your mm-hmm. life expectancy and your quality of life will be better at 380 than it would at 440, 450. Yeah, um, you know, this is obviously we're we're in year three, I believe, or is this, yeah, year three. So, uh, you know, hopefully for him, um, you know, he has an opportunity to uh, to look at himself and, and see that as an opportunity to improve and, and get out there. And, you know, certainly I know Florida's working with him on it. But, uh, you know, all in all, uh, some, uh, some exciting stuff for the Florida Gators, uh, good size and everything else uh, for the uh, – uh, for the Gators roster going into the fall. Uh, we have some new jersey numbers. Uh, Caleb Douglas will be wearing number four. Arliss Borningham will be wearing number eight uh, this upcoming season. For freshmen, get your pen and paper out. Sharif Denson will be taking Trey Dean's number zero. Jakeem Jackson will be wearing number two. Uh, Andy Jean will be wearing number six. Will Norman, number nine. Kelby Collins, 11. Aiden Mizell, 11. Aaron Gates, 13. Jordan Castell, 14. Bryce Thornton, 18. TJ Searcy, 19. Trayon Webb, 20. Eugene Wilson, the third, number 21. Cameron James, number 24. Dijon Johnson, number 26. Jaden Robinson, 29. Bryce Lovett, 53. Caden Jones, 63. Roger Kearney, 71. Nijay Harris, 77. Tony Livingston, 86. And last but not least, Gavin Hill at 96. Do you want me to run through transfer numbers as well, boys? Yeah, if you have time. Sure. Yeah, I got time. We got JC Deacon in 30 minutes, so we got some time to kill. Uh, Graham Mertz will be rocking the 15 uh, on his Heisman campaign. A little, a little insight into that. He did mm. not pick. He didn't pick the number. Um, he was just given the number. Uh, he showed up, and 15 was just hanging in the locker room. So I don't. Uh, I, I don't know if that's the move. 
if, I, if I'm the coach and I know the history of Florida, I'm like, hey, let's – how's 16 sound? Hmm. 14. Well, 12. Nick, yeah, well, he can't be – well, man, anyway. Um, I like Graham Mertz, number 15, Graham Mertz, Heisman campaign um, for him. Uh, RJ Moten, 16. Taraje Mitchell, 20. Deuce Spurlock, 22. Jacoby Jackson, 24. Uh, Cam Carroll, 27. Manny Nunnery, 34. Micah Mazuka, 54. Lindell Hudson, 74. Damian George, 76. Kenyatta, or Keontae Goodwin, 78. Caleb Banks, 88. 99, Cam Jackson. And TBD is Quincy Ivory. I like 34 for a linebacker. Mm-hmm. I like 54 for a linebacker, too. Shout out to Zach Thomas. Yeah. Shout out to Zach Thomas. I like Taraja at 20. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to look fire next to Shamar at 5. And that's a good combo of numbers right there. Uh, uh, my man, Jakeem Jackson getting number two, I think is big news. Uh, from a lot of single digit getting those numbers ain't easy. Uh, and also, Aldis Bornham getting that eight. She'll look real good in that. I think he's going to have a big season as well. Looking forward to him. Been seeing a lot of summer workouts. Uh, he should spring forward towards the top of that tight end depth chart as a season and as camp progress, I think, a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to look to see here uh, any numbers or numbers that are names or numbers that stick out. You know, love to see 99. Cam Jackson, think he's going to have a bang up year. Uh, to me, that's a good solid. Nose tackle type of number, you know what I mean? Um, number 16 at safety, you know, is what it is. Um, Eugene Wilson, 21. I mean, get I my like guy it. a single digit, though. Yeah, uh, I don't I, like I don't see that though. number sticking. I like it, though. You do? He's a little fresh on him. Yeah, I, I like 21 for him. We'll see what we add with. I think he should probably. Tw 21 catching passes is like gives me like. Old school single single T vibes mm. like who 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 is that catching? But then we could say twenty one. Won't you do something for me? Oh, okay, branding opportunity. It's a hey. branding opportunity. Twenty one savage, and, and then he'll drop the two. He'll drop the two out the piss. I'll leave if, if mm. he has a big season. You feel me? Twenty one. What do something for me? Drop the two. Graham Mertz needs to earn the right to Eddie Pinero's number. Hey, Patrick, not disagreeing. <laughs> not disagreeing. Here, yeah. I'm know? pretty sure Purifoy is pissed somewhere. <laughs> Luchez up in, in the Canadian Football League pissed. What do you mean, Eddie's number? That's my number. Yeah. Right. Shout out to Jaden Robinson, number 29. That's uh, that was my old hockey number. So, mm -hmm. obviously, uh, success is going to follow. Sure, sure. Uh, Wilson wore the number 21 his first three years in high school. He just likes the number. All right. Shout out to Jace. Shout okay. out to somebody liking the number 21 as a wide receiver. Uh, completely up to you. We had some good uh, 21s in, in, uh, in Florida. You can go Major Wright. Uh, Fred Taylor. Major Wright. St. Thomas Aquinas. Shout out to Mage. Yep. His hit from uh, Oklahoma, is uh, the, uh, the national championship, is making the rounds again today. Always love to see that. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of Major this weekend. Major is such a passionate guy, bro. His mm. 
his uh speech to his grandfather funeral went viral on Instagram, bro. And I saw that. I was like, bro, anywhere major go, it's just super passion. He's a, he's a super passionate guy, man. So shout out to me. If I remember correctly, Chris Collinsworth was number twenty one. Maybe somebody can fact check mm, me there. White light, uh, but I think Chris Collinsworth was number twenty one. Um, yeah, no, um, jit. You know, um, I can say the word jit. It's just you know. That's sort of thing. Yeah, it just didn't work. All right. So, uh, Doring wore 21, I thought, not who? Collinsworth. Chris Doring wore 21? Um, Chris Doring uh, wore 21? Chris Collinsworth. We're going to do some live fact checking of uh, oh, Doring here. I'm about to say Doring and now wore 21. He wore 28. Yes. Same hmm. thing. Oh, Doring man. This is going to be fun. wear 21. Mm. All right, so if we do that, we present, share screen, Chris Collinsworth. There he is, number 21, Chris Collinsworth. Look right, at like, Dan. Look, look, at, look at Dan. Me. Look at me. Look at me, then look at God. Uh, he was there when my mom was in college. So anyway, um, so that those are your numbers. Buy your jerseys accordingly. Uh, root them on accordingly, and then know that they can also change numbers between now uh, and the, the start of the football year as well. So get used to the roster. A lot of new names uh, that are on the roster. Speaking of new names, we are going to get into the recruiting segment of this show. Nick's favorite part, uh, part that we've been waiting for him to come back for. Uh, but before we do that, we do want to thank our friends over at the Gataverse. Go check them out at Gata, G-A-T-A, verse.io. Uh, they are going to be doing the Run It Back Classic this weekend at Santa Fe College. Uh, it's an exhibition game that's going to be featuring uh, the Gataverse TBT team and other alumni members, uh, including Corey Brewer, Torian Green, and Lee Humphrey. Uh, they will be able to do a meet and greet and get autographs with the TBT team at the Fan Fest. That is going to take place this Saturday from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. at Santa Fe College. And then after that, you'll be able to go watch them tip off and have a friendly competition. After that, they're going to be doing an after party exclusively uh, for them uh, at the social at Midtown. So go check it out. Tickets are $10 for the fan fest uh, just for fan fest admission for overall admission into the uh, overall event, including the game is 25 uh, or pardon me, $30 uh, for, for both to just go to the game is 25. Uh, and then if you want to do the VIP bundle, which is a courtside seat, a VIP suite fan fest and after party, that's going to set you at $175. So again, go check it out. Gataverse.io. Go check out their event this Saturday at Santa Fe college all right nick uh silk we had the opportunity to discuss all three of these uh in some private episodes that we did exclusively on youtube so if you did not go check those out please go do so uh gators grabbed three commits last week including uh, a little bit of a surprise when they grabbed fletcher westfall the offensive tackle from virginia uh, on last Monday, uh, beating out Clemson and Arkansas. Uh, I tweeted this uh, the other day, uh, grabbing him from Sam Pittman, in my opinion, is a bigger deal than grabbing him from Clemson. Uh, but so we've had a, a week to think about it. Uh, thoughts on Fletcher Westfall for, uh, for the fan base here. 
Uh, I, I've been saying it for a while. I've been watching Sale and Stapleton, you know, uh, see what they how they stepped their game up. This year is a down year for offensive linemen, but uh, I thought we needed to bring in a blue chip offensive lineman, especially at tackle. Um, we got some guys that I do love in the room so far, but they're all developmental guys. So for them to go into town, uh, not into town, for them to go into this recruitment, uh, and I thought it was versus Clemson, uh, that's that's been changed afterwards. And so they said that Pittman was – uh, and Arkansas was the second team. Um, but Pittman is an absolute legend when it pertains to developing offensive linemen. Um, we did a great job with the family. I like the way the family uh, was talking when they left the visit. Uh, father is super active on socials with, with promoting his son and also the University of Florida right now. But mm. uh, this kid has a mean streak. Uh, he has the, the feet, the size. Uh, he's 6'8 or something crazy. So yeah. Everything that you want out of offensive linemen, the offensive tackle, uh, to, to, you know, staple down things on one end, maybe left tackle, uh, you got in this guy, man. We still got an opportunity to add to that room uh, when it pertains to offensive tackle, but love to get. And I think that uh, recruiting and offensive line is going to get better. I think this was a, a, a bad year for those guys to try to get better and up their game, being that the, the talent pool was a lot less than normal. Yeah, but even if the talent pool is uh, less than normal, I kind of look at it like – if you're talking about a recruit that plays, you know, let's say like small one, a ball, it's all right, cool. You're, you're playing, you have to dominate the competition then. So like if you're Florida and okay, we need to retool the trenches, get more players in there. All right, well get the best of what's available and then use the transfer portal, um, you know, in the off season to kind of piecemeal things together as you need to. But if you look at it, I think Florida's putting together a really solid, first off, an unbelievable recruiting class to begin with. Um, but then when you look at the trenches, I think you get guys like Fletcher um, and, and the other guys they've gotten on offensive line, defensive line, I think they're doing a really good job. And um, uh, 6'8", 335, I say it all the time, like they've got a type uh, when mm -hmm. they go after these guys. Yeah, no, obviously a huge get. Uh, winning and beating Sam Pittman, like I said, is a is a huge thing. No matter what the school is, Sam Pittman is widely considered one of, if not the best, offensive line coaches in the country. Obviously, very few offensive line coaches end up becoming head coaches. So, being able to grab that uh, is a is a huge win uh, for the Gators, for Rob Sale, for uh, Darnell Stapleton. In Florida, Florida, as an overall unit needing to continue to build and develop talent, I think a lot of us would agree that Sale and Stapleton have great reputations for developing offensive linemen. Stapleton played in the NFL, you know, played in the Super Bowl. Rod Sale, Rob Sale has been an offensive line coach, offensive coordinator for a long time now experience in college, experience in the NFL, a lot of experience putting guys in the into the NFL uh, and developing them. Uh, but now it's the opportunity where if you can develop a four-star player, um, highly ranked, great skill set, great size, great motor, being able to develop those guys rather than hoping that you can win out of the gems uh, is uh, or out of the weeds is, is huge. So uh, great get real, for real them. Quick. Yeah. Real quick, um, back to the team. So I saw Hurdle said Will Haraz no yeah. longer with the program. Um, that that wasn't new. It was just he's not on the roster. Um, Will was a part of the 2019 yeah. signing class, graduated in 18. Um, he walked last year um, on senior day. Uh, a guy that I don't think he I mean, he was on scholarship, but I don't think was going to play. We'll probably look to 
graduate transfer, go some, but go somewhere else, or maybe he's just done playing football, but he's not on, on the team now. Uh, yeah, graduated with a degree in criminology with honors. Originally a three-star yeah. uh, out of uh, Fort Washington, Maryland. Uh, never really saw much playing time uh, here at uh, at UF. So criminology. Maybe he can go up to Athens. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe so, Nick. Uh, um, so. Let's see. Um, the Gators then, uh, not long after, I think it was on, on Wednesday, uh, the Gators grabbed uh, another commitment in Kendall Jackson uh, Thursday, pardon me, uh, six foot three, 250 pound um, defensive lineman out of Buholtz uh, here in Gainesville. Uh, Again, four-star guy, three-star guy, depending on what service you look at. Um, a guy who last year uh, did did a, a really good job, I thought, as a as a junior, uh, should have a good season for the Gators. But uh, again, the Gators, you know, uh, Kendall Jackson said the Florida was his dream school. Florida doesn't seem to get a lot of the dream school kids, but Florida <laughs> that's usually does. a death sentence. Yeah, it's a death sentence for Florida, but. Uh, uh, who was it that committed somewhere else and was wearing a Florida Gator backpack a few years ago? Um, but um, Kendall Jackson. Jackson commits to Florida. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on him, boys? We didn't. Uh, I think I was the only one that did that video. So, what are your thoughts on Kendall Jackson? Uh, Lamar Jackson wore the backpack. Yeah, that's it. Should have been a game. Lam- McElwain. Lamar Jackson. Was, Lamar Jackson was was like ready to play receiver for Will Muschamp. No, nah, he hmm. definitely was going to play quarterback. For anybody I, where he went. I think he, uh, he just wanted to be a Gator. He did. Uh, McElwain had him on the hook, but then, you know, all the leakage of Paul's, all, all the, the information that 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 stopped, that came out of uh, us chasing Francois toward the end, uh, Drew Weatherford came in and, and made sure Francois attended Florida State, which turned out to be a great thing. But anywho, <laughs> it, was, it was Lamar Jackson that we were talking about that wore the backpack. Uh, I parked my car next to Drew Weatherford you, every day. Uh, was that you the know, one that was in the handicap spot? You were next the to the handicap spot, or was that Chris Ricks? That was Chris Ricks. The handicap. Chris Ricks is yeah. Chris Ricks has still got Lyme disease, I believe. Um, was that him? Was that Lyme disease guy? No, that was. Uh, oh man, my knowledge of FSU quarterbacks is it's diminishing anyway. But yeah, no, I park next to Drew Rutherford every day. Yeah, I'm gonna send you a, a nice ice pick. Help you out with some tires. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, Kendall Jackson was a, a really good commit, uh, really good get uh, for for several reasons. We got to load up on that position. Uh, there's a lot of uh, opportunity, I would say, in upgrading of that spot. Um, his mom is a graduate from the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. Uncle was Aubrey Hill, so there's a lot of connections there. He's at Bujos, which is a local program. Um, Miami, Kentucky was a competitor there. Kentucky came in the second. Uh, Kentucky covered him. Very high, I would say, in, in this process. I know Florida was was playing, uh, recruiting a little bit, and and had some other guys at that spot that was taking official visits. Um, but as 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 we started getting some commits, um, things started changing, and his date changed. He moved his date up to solidify him a spot. Um, but an absolutely great get. I think he would be ranked higher if he cared about camps. He's just a kid that doesn't like uh, camps and the politics of, of recruiting and rankings. Um, also, his dad is who I'm doing the new barber barbershop show with his stepdad um so i got a connection with that family absolutely good i think we got a kid that's gonna come in with his with his hair on fire and ready to add to his legacy um and so you know he looks at aubrey hill who he's very close with you know as as, as one of his inspirations so 
Um, very good get, man. Um, Spencer, Coach Spencer is killing in the defensive line room. Mm -hmm. I wish I had my old Twitter account back because I said it back in April. Like, Coach Spencer is about to go on a crazy run, and here we are, man. We're going to see if we can close it off with a couple more guys. Uh, maybe we can get LJ McCray to make a decision before the season. That's not likely, but uh, we're hot right now. We'll see where we at with it. But a great get by the defensive lines. Becoming one of our best defensive line halls and recruiting of all time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we've got we've got Kendall uh, as a four star, um, I, and I like I like that too. Just the guys you're not going to want everyone from Gainesville, from Buholz, or, or from from Gainesville High School, but the ones that you do want, you want to keep them home. Um, shout out to Anthony Richardson staying home, um, but I think you're right, Silk. Like every interaction I've had with 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 Ke Coach Chaos. Um, High energy dude, super authentic. I, I, it does not surprise me at all that he's a great recruiter because um, he just has a he just has a dynamic personality, true to himself, true to the way he is. Um, easy to buy into the kind of person he is, especially if you're a parent and you're, hey, where's my right. where's my baby boy going? Uh, I, I feel comfortable, um, you know, having putting putting him in the care of this man. So um, I think he, as long as he's at Florida, he's going to you know, clean up and recruit. Him and Armstrong on the same sidelines and the same defensive room mm -hmm. is, is contagious energy, man, that we need for sure. Mm -hmm. And put a little respect on Jay Bateman's name. I think he's yep, the local area recruiter guy. in the country. Little, little, uh, little local guy. Uh, Bateman handles. fired him, man. I'm glad y'all didn't fire man, him. Not, not y'all. I'm not y'all. No. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, Bateman's cleaning up. So it, it, it's, a, it's a really strong both trenches. Offensive line, I think it's, it's gone really well. And, and defensive line, the class – is great and has potential to be even better. Um, and yeah, moving on to Dan's favorite commit. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, the, the last one happened uh, Friday evening um, at around 6.50 or so. Teddy Foster from Cardinal Mooney, uh, defensive back, uh, three-star guy right now. Uh, we talked a lot about him. He's a guy that I've been plugged into his recruitment for about the last seven, eight weeks now. Uh, and um, a guy that, you know, is going to rise the uh, the rankings and uh, I think is going to ultimately end up being a four-star guy. Um, a lot of people want to compare him to Jakeem Jackson. Uh, I, I don't want to say that that he couldn't potentially have a very big rise in the rankings, but I, I want to tell you that they are, they are different players. They're different defensive backs. Just because they happen to be from the same county and both play defensive back and committed to Corey Raymond does not mean that they're the same player or going to be asked to do the same thing. So uh, I know we want to make that connection. It's easy, right? Um, the same way we like to compare, uh, you know, if you're a white defensive back, you're similar to Jason Seahorn. Not necessarily. Right, Not necessarily. Um, you know? Could be Sean Lynch. Could be Sean Lynch. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, uh, three-star defensive back uh, commits to Florida over North Carolina uh, and Miami. I know a lot of Miami fans were getting uh, in their feelings Friday. Said they weren't recruiting him. I can one hundred percent assure you that sure. Mario Cristobal and the Miami staff, leading up to Wednesday, were still very actively recruiting. Uh, if Miami fans don't mm. like to hear that news, I would be more than happy to show you the text messages is, as well. Is that, is that what the shareholder meeting was about? No shareholder meeting, Nick. You'd be surprised to know that we still have not had a shareholder meeting. I um, mean, we still don't have financials for one year and 12 days, I believe, is where we're at these days. I thought maybe you did have a shareholder meeting and it was just about who Miami was still recruiting. No, 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 no. Okay. 
So, um, Nick, your thoughts. Teddy Foster, so can I had a good conversation on, on Friday about it, but your thoughts. Um, I, th- I think he's a great player. And um, <clears throat> as Florida continues to try to retool, I, I don't know what the number will be, um, but you're going to lose some guys from that secondary. You had a really strong secondary class last year. Um, and, and I think you just need to get probably – five, six guys between cornerbacks, safeties, nickels every, every year. So um, I think that the Florida staff um, raved about him. Um, one of the best players that, from one of the stories that uh, Keith Niebuhr put out, um, it was called a coach's dream. Um, and the kids dedicated, a relentless worker. So those are the kind of guys you want to fill your roster out with and the kind of guys you want in your locker room. Yeah. From a size perspective, or, you know, only thing he's missing, I would say, is the verified speed, which is mm-hmm. staff of values. So I don't see uh, the verified speed. But he came in, worked out, and you, when you look at his tape, his junior tape, I think is, uh, speaking of him and Jakeem Jackson, his junior tape might be better than Jakeem Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jakeem has some, some verified speed, and he camped crazy. Um, so, you know, his 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 ranking went up a little high. He had more opportunities. Uh, Teddy's a, a, late, a late riser when it pertains to getting his name out there. Um, but when you look at the film, off ball, on ball, um, he played a lot of receiver. Once he's focused on one position, I think he knows that now. I think his DB film gets a little a, a little bit better. Um, but you look at that film, bro, uh, whether he's jamming, whether he's off ball, uh, the kid could come up and, and make plays, man, whether it pertains to the run game, uh, closing, um, ball hawking. It's a lot to be desired, man, and getting him on campus. Um, there were some comparisons to him and Jalen Ramsey um, as far as his length. Um, so a, a very – rangy kid just how Corey Raymond likes him um and there's some other kids on our DB board uh that are ranked higher but you know we we covered him a little bit more so we'll see where we at with it there's an opportunity for us to get better in the DB room with mm-hmm. uh with uh the mainland boys they Mincy mm-hmm. and also um I don't know where we at with Wardell Mack we'll see where we at. I think he's coming to the cookout as well mm-hmm. but right now you, you gotta love oh I'm sorry we got Jamari Howard coming to yeah. the cookout so that's probably our DB boy right now. But I, I love Teddy Foster. I love this kid. Um, Dan, you mentioned that he's most likely going to end up as a top 300 guy. I have that mm-hmm. same opinion. He's going to be a four-star on um, top 300. I just want to see him lock down one position. He'll probably play two because it's just high school. They need him on both sides of the ball. But right. his focus will be primarily on defensive back now. We should see uh, the film skyrocket a little bit in his ranking. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I think he's going to be a uh, he's going to be a good player again. Just a couple of years of uh, true football experience. I think he's got a lot of good people in his corner uh, as well. A lot of good coaches uh, and uh, additional uh, trainers and stuff that are, are going to help watch him continue to develop. Um, he's he's a kid that's not about a lot of the uh, attention. He's not a he's a guy that just wants to focus and wants to get better. Uh, you know, I know he mentioned uh, you know during his uh, interview with Keith Niebuhr. Uh, for his commitment story about him going and learning uh, from Corey Raymond and in his team um, did a couple of uh, visits over the, over the summer where they traveled to a bunch of different schools, including Florida, Florida state, uh, Georgia, I think Valdosta state and there are a few others and each and every one, you know, his, his goal was to try to figure out a way to get better and a way to improve his game uh, and really dial into, to what the coaches were saying and not just make it all about me, but, you know, also he wanted to commit before the season started so that he could focus uh, on, uh, on the game and on getting better and, and being a contributor at the next level. So uh, congratulations to him uh, and uh, and the Gators. So right now, the Gators sit at uh, twenty 
one commitments, I believe, or 20 commitments, I'm sorry, uh, ranked number four overall in the country, uh, ranked third in the SEC. They just got passed by Alabama uh, on the on three composite and have a 92 Point five, uh, which is uh, almost a full point higher than the class last year. Uh, 20% of them are in-state uh, and 70% uh, blue-chip ratio. So um, things are looking good for, for Gators and recruiting. Uh, any final uh, thoughts on recruiting before we get to the next topic, which is uh, welcoming Florida Gators golf coach and national champion J.C. Deacon? Uh, Deontay Robinson is deciding on the 20th this mm. week which is, uh, I think, is down to us in Texas. Uh, Georgia, Georgia and Bama were factors in his recruiting, but I think the final three may have been us. I think Bama's going to recruit him to the very end from what I understand. But um, a guy that comes in, uh, we haven't got him yet. We'll see where we at with it. But I like what we had in his recruiting. He decides July 20th, guy that's 350 uh, from Orlando Jones. Keeping, keeping some Florida kids close to the crib is very important, but – uh, this is a, a real good, real good, and real important recruiting, man. Um, Georgia's loading up on the offensive line, and they're gonna mm -hmm. need to with what we got uh, loading up at defensive line. So uh, we'll see where we at with it on July 20th. You guys stay tuned for that one. Big one on the way. Um, not a recruiting note, but I think we got more than 100 people in here. Only 30 likes. If you're hitting here, mm, if you're guys, sitting 70 here, haters, 70 haters. <laughs> if you're sitting here, still listening before JC gets on. Hit the like button. It's free. It helps get the uh, get us out there. Helps with the algorithm. And also, Silk, I need a I need a guest. I need a recurring guest spot in the barbershop. Got you, bro. You gotta pull up on us, man. Pull up on uh, Wednesday. We're gonna be in town. I was gonna hit you on the jack. We'll talk, man. But yeah, oh. pull up, hang out. Uh, we're doing a just for the people what Nick brought up. We're doing a nil show out of a barbershop right there in Gainesville. Uh, for NIL, NFL, NIL athletes, um, all the athletes on campus. It's called Beyond the Chump. Go follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, YouTube hasn't dropped yet. We're going to drop it on the Roll Up Network's YouTube. But um, it's with me. And like I said before, it's uh, Kendall's Jackson's stepfather and his mom uh, are the, uh, the co-creators of this show. Um, so it should be something dope. We're going to launch off this first episode on Wednesday. Got some important gators coming up to film with us. We'll see what we at with it, but I think we got one of the best NIL shows in the country coming up, man. We'll see. I love it. Well, let's say I get JC Deacon onto the show, but before we do that, I want to announce a new sponsorship with a former Florida Gator alumni. Uh, so if you're a sports fan and you are trying to experience some live sports games for Florida football, Tampa Bay Lightning, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ohio State, maybe have friends and family up in the Ohio area or the Cleveland Browns. Go check out fangotickets.com. That's F A N G O tickets.com. So if you are looking to sell tickets and you are tired of getting raked over the coals by the ticket marketplace fees, even those that claim to have no fees, I want you to take a look at fangotickets.com. Think of it as an Airbnb or Uber. Uh, for ticketing. So again, go check out fangotickets.com. They're offering an exclusive offer to the first 100 season ticket holders to list their tickets on Fango that they will never charge anything more than the process fee for your credit card transaction. So go check them out. Again, think Airbnb, think Uber for tickets mm. for the Florida Gators, Tampa think. Bay Lighting, Tampa Bay Bucks, Ohio State football, 
or Cleveland Browns. Fangotickets.com. What's up, Nick? Think not dealing with Ticketmaster. That's the Thanks. selling point. Right As there. my buddy and good friend Ticket Zach Bryan would say, all my homies hate Ticketmaster. With that being said, we are welcoming national championship golf coach and second time member not of me. the uh, State of Miguel podcast, JC oh. Deacon. Man, it is a pleasure to have you, my friend. Yeah. What's up, guys? I'm seeing some uh, some swinging gator gear there. I love. Oh hell yeah! The best logo in college sports. It's beautiful. <laughs> oh, I just man. got back from Ireland, so now we are we are golfing in the in the 14th century, 15th century here, JC. Oh, look, look, look at you, perfect for this week with the Open Championship coming. Mm -hmm. That's, <laughs> that's right, JC. Uh, man, it's a pleasure to have you on again. Congratulations! Uh, the Florida Gators were not only SEC champions uh, in golf, but also national champions, and also won the individual champion championship with Fred Biondi winning is the Gators first national championship uh, in golf since 2001 and men's golf since 2001. Also the first time that they won the NCAA individual championship since 2001. JC, man, it has been uh, a, uh, a fun few years watching you help rebuild this Florida Gators program uh, over the last few years, man. What, what's it been like? You were on the show right two and a half, three years ago now. Uh, at the time you were recruiting, going out, really trying to build. It's really cool to see all that come to fruition. But what's been the last uh, last few weeks been like for you, my friend? Well, it's uh, it's certainly a dream come true is, is probably the only only way to describe it. Uh, you know, when I got this job, I, I understood Jeremy Foley was was putting a, a really great responsibility in my hands. And, um, you know, to be able to fulfill on some promises and, and uh, you know, make him look look pretty good is it was really really important to me he's he's just one of the most amazing men and uh you know i i owe a lot of this to him and super proud that that we got that w Get, getting a big bear hug from him when we got home back to the airport here in gainesville was one of the coolest moments of my life but uh you know i i uh, always thought we were capable of this um you know i started at 31 years old here at florida and um you know i'm not even the same person or same coach it's crazy how much how much I've learned and, and come along. And, and obviously, you know, we added Dudley Hart as our uh, assistant coach a couple years ago, and he's, he's really helped me grow as a person and a coach and, and brought some elements to our program that I think kind of put us over the top. But uh, yeah, the SEC championship on the, the trophies actually just over here to my left. So it's nice to walk into work and see it all time. That, that was the one I really wanted. Um, I think at some point you always hope you could win a national championship, but uh uh, men's golf in the SEC, it's the best conference. Uh, it's not even close. Uh, the depth is is just insane. And, and winning that title was, was everything to me. And, and John Dubois making that that 20-footer on the 18th green there to finally put us over the top. We had been close a couple times. Um, but that was, that was kind of the end to me. And I remember three days after that, it was the Wednesday, we had a, we had a team meeting. And I said, look, guys, I, I don't – I got to – kind of refigure this and, and redefine this season for me because what, what just happened on Sunday was, was my dream come true as a coach. I, I just wanted to win that tournament and you guys did it and played that, that well at that time. Um, but we got two choices. Either we can, we can dig in and double down on everything we've done this year and, and see if we can't do something big at, at the big one. Um, or we can just enjoy this and, and celebrate the SEC. And, and obviously the guys chose to, to double down and, um, we had a couple scares along the way, I think, which probably made the experience all the sweeter. Um, definitely being down and out to Florida State in the semifinals. I mean, it was done. We were we were toast. 
and we came back and beat them. I mean, it was you you could not script it uh, better than the whole thing happened. And and you know, being a national champion at the University of Florida is that's pretty special. Yeah, JC, was have- there? Oh, go ahead, Nick. Was, was there a time, you know, obviously you're talking about just winning the SEC and wanting to do that and fulfill that goal. Was there a time at all where doubt starts to creep in for you? And just like, man, I, I, you got the opportunity when you were so young. And is there ever a time where something creeps in like, maybe I just maybe I just don't want to do this here. Maybe I need to go somewhere else. Maybe I just want to go back and play. Yeah. You know what? Uh, there's two moments that I, that I can clearly remember. Uh, the first one being – Probably the best team that I've ever had here at Florida was in the spring of 2017. Uh, Alejandro Tosti, Sam Horsfield, Gordon Neal, Andy Zhang, who, who won the SEC championship as an individual, um, and Ryan Orr was our team. They were experienced and extremely talented, and we're, we're ranked you know, two, three, or four all year long. One of the best teams in the country. I think we'd won four or five times. Uh, one of those individuals was winning pretty much every week and we got to regionals and we were playing fine. I think we were in second or third place the whole week. You have to finish in the top five to move on to the national championship. And we just, the the bottom fell out on the back nine of that regional and we didn't even make a uh, national championship that year. And I remember coming home saying, oh, you know, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Like how can we have this good of a team and not even make the national championship, let alone win something. Um, but looking back, that's probably a defining moment for me as a coach. I, I learned a lot of preparation, taking things for granted. Um, and I, you know, we probably don't win this year without that experience back then. And then um, 2019 spring, uh, we had the number one ranked recruiting class in the country come in that fall in 2018. And the number one and number three ranked players in that class, they both kind of lost their game. And it happens in golf. It's not, you know, football, I feel like a lot of the time, if you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but if, if you're bigger, faster, stronger, you know, from everything I've read about Nick Saban, that's how he recruits. He's got, you know, a certain formula for each position and they're all supposed to be a certain size and, and weight and stuff like that. It doesn't work like that in golf because it's so mental. Um, and we had a couple guys that they just lost it and they weren't ready for the, the stage that the University of Florida is. And we were so bad that 2018-2019 year. I think we, we fell to probably 40th in the country, barely made regionals, didn't even sniff making the national championship. And that's when that's when I had that moment, Nick. I'm like, man, maybe I'm not, not cut out for this. You know, Maybe it's just too big for me. But uh, we had a had a recruit named Ricky Castillo sitting in the pipeline, and he started that next fall, and he won National Freshman of the Year, the uh, Phil Mickelson Award, and he brought a type of swagger uh, to our program and our team that just changed everything. And uh, I'm so grateful for Ricky and, and everything that he gave his pro this program, and uh, so so glad he got to leave an SEC and national champion. But uh, yeah, it hasn't been an easy path. I don't I don't think any coach at the University of Florida. Will, I'll tell you that it's easy because the expectations are higher than anywhere in the country. But, uh, you know, that's why I came here. That, that's what I told Jeremy I wanted. And, um, you know, thankful that uh, we got to got to hang a banner. 
I love it. Uh, JC and then uh, Ricky Castillo goes, uh, he gets his Corn Ferry tour card and then goes out and yep. wins his very first tournament uh, that he uh, participates in. So just a, uh, a couple of months of just of, of huge wins for Ricky Castillo in his career. Um, JC, why did want to talk about that from a coaching perspective and as a golfer, um, not good enough to ever play collegiately, right? But as a golfer myself, no, underst I understand the mental component of it, but you kind of mentioned it, but you talk about the SEC, you, you guys were a little down and out. You really had to make a run there to ultimately win the SEC. And then stroke play, you're right there between third and eighth. And, you know, so much can change, you know, in each hole. But then you shoot the low round uh, in your group in, in the third round and ultimately move on uh, to, uh, to match play. Then you're down to FSU. You guys ultimately come back. And then, you know, against Georgia Tech in the finals, you guys are, are up. And then all of a sudden you look at it and you go from up four, tied one, to you win one, down three, tied in another uh, over yeah. the course of two holes. How do you talk to your team about mentally staying focused and, and continuing to just play your game rather than, you know, getting that doubt that, doubt that starts to, uh, to creep in? Yeah, I mean, it's a tremendous question. I think that's, that's ultimately the key in golf. Um, it, it, I know it's kind of like that in every sport, but, uh, you just can't be focused on the results and you gotta be committed to every shot. Um, that was our goal the night before is let's go out. We understand we're playing on the biggest stage. You guys are on the golf channel. The whole world's going to be watched. The golf is going to be watching. Um, if we commit to every shot tomorrow, we, we knew we were going to have a good chance to win. So whether you're three down or, or three up, we're just going to commit to each shot and try and be in the moment and, uh, it helped a lot because we had four seniors in the lineup and it's just, it, it's like, you know, any other sport, they've just been there. They've heard the messages for four years. Um, they know what to do in the big moments. They don't, they don't flinch at all. And after that SEC win beating Vanderbilt, the way we did, we kind of came back against them. I think, I think John Dubois was three down or four down in his match against Vandy at one point, And he won on the last hole there. So we'd, we'd had a lot of experience with, with being both up and down and to our guys credit the, the moment never got bigger than them. And uh, they, they really stayed focused, loved it. I think that's another big part of, of playing well, um, you know, in, in big moments in sports is, is loving and embracing that challenge and the pressure. And uh, yeah, that the experience paid off for sure. And looking back and seeing the coverage they, that it was July 4th, actually, like Florida Gator Day on on the SEC network and uh, we got we got to rewatch it it was the first time I got to see it and I'm only with one guy at a time so I'm I'm it's you know I, I don't get film or anything like that so I was focused on Matt Kress but uh, watching some of the shots our guys hit and the passion that they played with and the intelligence that they played with at this age uh, man I'm, I'm so proud and I think it was kind of a an educational on, you know, where our development and our plan for our players is working. And they, they were certainly ready for those moments. And uh, hopefully it's an experience that they're going to take and build on uh, for the rest of their life. And I think obviously you look at what Ricky and Fred and even Yushin, Yushin's first tournament on the Corn Ferry this summer was a T12. Um, you know, it's really, really impressive for a 21, 22 year old to do that right out of the gate. So um, our guys are ready for the next level and ready to be pros. And I'm probably as proud of that part as as I am in, in the championships we won. JC, how how, how does I, we cover a lot of sports and I play sports? So from a culture perspective, I'm interested to, to hear 
um, what what motivating golfers, what you know, what does that pregame speech look like? Because it's such a, a mental game. What does that look like from a coaching perspective? <laughs> well, that it's a it's a, a funny it's question because it's, it's not uh, like it's not Al Pacino in in any given <laughs> Sunday. That's a good one right there. Well, that's uh, that's probably what I've had to change the most because me personally, uh, I come from a hockey background, uh, born in Toronto, Canada. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs are in my blood. I've been watching those games since I was probably a year old. And uh, hockey's very raw, raw. Um, it's very physical. And and golf just couldn't be more opposite. So I grew up around a bunch of coaches in hockey that that were raw, raw. When things aren't going well, you get in people's face. You get them fired up. Um, I can only imagine, you know, that's you see some of the football locker room speeches and stuff like that. that that's who I am at heart. Uh, but golf is just it's the complete opposite. And you need to remain calm in the in the biggest moments. Uh, getting fired up and getting your blood pressure way up doesn't help you perform better. So I've had, you know, I used to probably used to yell at the guys maybe more. I, I would be very emotional, um, get fired up in the in the good moments and the bad. So I've tried to kind of model more of the behavior that I want our guys to see on the golf course and and, uh, you know, there, there's times where uh, they need a little kick in the butt and uh, a little a little loud, loud mouth in their ear. But uh, it's it's not often. And it, it was nice this year having so many older guys on the team. Uh, we had our culture in a really good place where we didn't have to do a lot of the policing um, that was coming internally from the players. And we just we really kind of had a uneventful year um, with that type of stuff. So. Um, it just, I found it works better for golf, modeling the behavior that you want to see your players have and, you know, trying to, to keep your breathing and your blood pressure as low and as calm as you possibly can. That That's going to put you in the best state to, to hit the best golf shots and make the putts when they matter. So, um, yeah, trying to, trying to keep the emotion out of it and uh, be as less Al Pacino as I possibly can. <laughs> JC, what is, um, you've mentioned a couple of times that the, uh, the roster was a little bit older. Um, what was it like knowing that, you know, the guys that you had around you, uh, whenever you finished that last tournament, uh, they were going to be gone. Uh, their professional careers were going to be starting just days after a week after, um, that. So what was it like just knowing what you personally had gone through, what the guys had gone through the last three, four years, um, to, to end winning the last match of the year uh, and sharing that on the golf course and then uh, getting a nice uh, jet ride home and just being able to just enjoy it um, as a group for one more time. Yeah, Nick, that that's probably been the most special part of all of this. Um, I'll never forget. I spoke about him already, but Jeremy Foley's just been instrumental in, in my life and my career and uh, he, we'd been talking about it for a long time. He was going to come and talk to the team and didn't know when. And uh, he called me in February and said, hey, I'm coming. I'm not asking this time. Uh, I'm coming to speak to your team. And uh, so I, he didn't tell me what about. Uh, and I wasn't sure. I was actually a little nervous because, as you guys know, Jeremy can really command a room and, and be intimidating when he wants to be. But uh, he just sat these guys down and said, man, I've watched this team grow up. Uh, we all know how talented you are. There's, you know, there's four guys in this room who have already won tournaments uh, in individually, but you guys don't have a ring. You guys have nothing to show for this as a group. And he said, man, it would break my heart if, if you four, you core four guys left this university without any hardware and without your names on the wall as a team. 
And it really struck a chord with our guys because, um, you know, I think the opportunity was there. But as you mentioned, Nick, I think time was running out and, and we all felt that we only had two chances left to get a ring in the SEC and national championship. And I think that really bonded us together was we got to do this now, guys. It, it can't be wait till tomorrow or I'm, I'm going to practice later. I'm going to work out later. We had to do it now. And Jeremy's message was perfect timing. And uh, I'll never forget it. It was, it was, uh, it's hard when you pour this much into these guys. And it's, it's not just the golf shots and, and their golf games. It's, you know, the ups and downs along the way, you know, some guys struggle with school, you help them get through that. There's, there's girlfriend issues that you help them go through that. It's, you know, I, I, uh, you know, hope to be really close to my players for the rest of their lives. That That's why I got into this. And that's probably the best part of it. But uh, Ricky, we're, We've won two points and Georgia Tech had one. So Ricky's one up and Fred's one up coming down the last hole. We just had to win one of the last two matches to win the whole thing. And uh, Ricky stripes this three wood down the 18th hole at Greyhawk. And we're up there watching Fred. He had, Ricky had been watching in his rangefinder, watching the whole match unfold. And we're pretty sure Fred's going to win. He needs two putts on 18. And Ricky and I are walking down the fairway and I go, man, I, I knew it. When, when I met you, he was 11 years old when I met him. He was about three foot nothing. Um, I said, I knew we were going to have a moment like this. I knew it. And we both looked at each other and I'm not kidding. We started bawling like babies. We were crying. I, I, yeah, I, that's dope. I never cried that hard in my life. And he still had a shot to hit and we get about <laughs> 20 yards from his ball. And I'm like, dude, we got to get our, our life together here. We're both, our eyes are filled with tears. We're shaking. And uh, he still, you know, Fred three putts that Ricky's got to hit a shot. So we, we regrouped, but that moment was was something I'll never forget because I think it signified how much we had poured into each other, how much we had poured into the team, how much we had poured into the University of Florida. And it was all unfolding in, in the biggest moment in college golf and and we were going to win. And uh, it was it was something I'll cherish forever. And um, yeah, these guys are really special. And I think probably the greatest part of this national championship is no one can ever take this away from us. Uh, we got that and we want it and, and we seize the opportunity and we're going to be a part of Florida Gator history forever. And uh, what a way to, to leave the guys with, uh, you know, as, as they go on to the real world, it's, it's the most meaningful thing for me as a coach. Hello, JC. I want to ask you, uh, you mentioned it early on and, and I would be remiss who my uncle who listens to this show, who's a much better golfer than I am, club champion, all that stuff. Um, that he doesn't super, take much, Dan. Well, no, club <laughs> champion at Golden Ocala, JC knows what that means. Anyway, long story short, he would be he would be upset if I didn't ask about Dudley Hart. Dudley Hart, uh, four-time All-American at the University of Florida, played on the PGA Tour for a long time. You mentioned him coming on uh, to the program over the last few years. What did his addition meant to, to you and your coaching career and ultimately developing these guys? Yeah, I mean, I, there, there's not enough words to, to describe Dudley Hart. Um, I remember I got the job in June 2014, and uh, when they mentioned it, I think he was probably the second or third person that, that called me or texted me and just said, hey, man, I know we don't know each other, but uh, I love the University of Florida. I love our golf program, and, and I want to help, so lean on me whenever you want. And uh, so we came pretty close after that. Uh, we got a, we're, we're very similar. Uh, we both love hockey. He's a big Buffalo Sabres guy, Buffalo Bills guy, and um, so huge sports fan. And, um, you know, obviously we share a passion for golf and, and, and helping players develop. So Dudley started with us pretty quickly. He was our volunteer assistant coach. 
And uh, he was still playing full time on the PGA Tour at, at that at that point in time. And he'd come up, you know, once or twice a semester. And he probably after a couple of years, he's like, man, I love doing this. Like, I love seeing the guys get better, love being a part of their life, love getting to know them, you know, use me more often. So we became closer and uh, he started spending more time with the guys. Excuse me. And then uh, I guess it was two years ago, right about this time, maybe a month later, uh, Mark Leon, who was my former assistant, Mark got the head coaching job at FAU down in uh, Boca. And then he's at Mark just got named the head coach at uh, Penn State University at his alma mater. So he got his dream job, too, which was something that's really cool that's happened this summer. But uh, yeah, Mark was leaving and uh, I, we had a Dudley was up here helping me out. I called him and said, hey, Mark's leaving horrible timing. We got a week till school. Can you come up here and help me out? Dudley's body was kind of breaking down. He's, he's had like a spinal fusion in his back. He's had his, his thumb worked on three times. He had a bunch of surgeries. They, he's like Humpty Dumpty. They, they put him back together. So I, I think his body was kind of telling him maybe it was time to, to do something else. So he said, look, it's perfect timing. I'm not playing anymore this year. My body's killing me. I'll come up, come up and help you for as long as I want. So Perfect Dudley thing. He lived in our casita. We got a little thing beside our house that he lived in for a couple months and did his own thing. But uh, we had another candidate on campus who I was going to hire. Uh, just an awesome young guy who was uh, really up and coming and coaching. And halfway through the guy's visit on campus, Dudley walked to my office, closed the door. And I'm like, oh, geez, what did, what did I do? He's never serious. Dudley's always the jokester. He's never serious. He goes, man, um, I just want you to know I, the, the job that you're interviewing him for, I, I want it. And I'm like, what? He goes, I didn't, why didn't you tell me? He's like, well, I felt bad. I didn't want to put you in a tough spot, but, um, you know, I'm done playing. My competitive days are behind me and I love doing this. I love the university of Florida. This place means everything to me. And I want to, I want to get into coaching and do this with you. So that was difficult because I had to find a way to, to get, the other guy off campus without offering him the job. And um, anyways, so uh, Dud signed on. And um, I guess the best way to describe Dudley is, you know, he's a two-time PGA Tour winner. He's um, accomplished everything in the game of golf. But if, like, if the greens need to be blown off or, you know, something needs to be fixed or painted – like Dudley will do it. He is not above any job. He's, he's a natural born leader. Uh, he's in here first thing in the morning. Uh, his kids are a little bit older, so he's not shy. He's got a great wife, Suzanne. So she, she takes care of a lot of the stuff at home, but he's the first one here every day. Uh, he pours his heart and soul into our guys. And I think that just stepped up the level of accountability here. I think a lot of our older guys were like, dang, like my, my coach outworks me. Like that's, that's sad in a way. Like we got to step it up and make sure that Dudley's not the hardest working guy in the building. And then, you know, on top of that, his knowledge about the game, all, all he's done his whole life, four-time All-American here at Florida, got his PGA Tour card first year he left Florida, um, won pretty quickly, uh, obviously had a ton of success. And, you know, he's been, all he's done is, is be around the best players in his world, in the, in the world for the last 30 years. So all that, uh, knowledge and credibility has been poured into our players and it, it's helped. And they've, I think they just started believing the message a lot more. He's added some structure in some different places to our practice. 
And I just, you know, I really do believe he took us from a good program to a great one. And um, he, he's promising me uh, he probably wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't at the University of Florida. So I think he was, he's getting some head coaching offers and stuff like that. But uh, we got him for, for as long as his, his body can hang on. So uh, hopefully we're going we're gonna to have a lot to offer these young recruits, you know, as they uh, look to pick a spot to play and develop their game over the next 10 or so years. Um, we can get into recruiting a little bit, but obviously the, the roster will look a lot different. Um, and one of the guys you've mentioned a couple of times, John Dubois, uh, he'll be back for his fifth year, I think. Yeah. Um, did you get on him? Like golf recruiting is a little bit different than, than football recruiting, which a lot of our listeners are used to. And I, t- I say the same thing with baseball, but I think you were in on his recruitment a little bit late. Uh, and, and what has been just the the trajectory and the arc of his career as I think he'll be one of the guys that you look to as a leader for your team next year? Uh, yeah, well, I'm first thing, I'm a massive football recruiting geek. So I, I wish I had actually signed on to the show a little bit earlier. I heard you guys at the tail end of that conversation. I love that stuff. Um, I'm fascinated with like the whole arena of football and basketball recruiting and where it's going and um, I watch Billy Napier and, and what him and his team is doing right now. I, I love it. Um, I just think they're going to be so successful. The attention to detail. And obviously, I think they're starting to catch the eyes of all the best players around the country. So I'm excited to watch football recruiting grow. But uh, yeah, we got flat lucky with John Dubois. And it's another probably really good life lesson I, I learned as a coach. Um, this was 2018 in the fall. Uh, probably the lowest moment I ever had as a coach here. We were playing terrible. Our two top recruits that I mentioned earlier had lost their game. I didn't know what to do. And one of the guys that we had lined up to come in our 2019 class, uh, he got cold feet one week before signing day. And he's like, coach, it's just too far. I don't want to be away from my family. And I, I, I'm not going to be able to come. And I just want to let you know. And in golf recruiting, it happens pretty early. It's ninth, 10th. Well, now 10th grade. Uh, we can't speak to them until June 15th after their sophomore year. So it happens a little later now, which is nice. They changed the rules a couple of years ago. But before it was eighth, ninth, 10th graders like softball. I know Tim Walton's kind of in the same boat. You get your team team locked up really early. And this kid pulled the plug a week before signing day. So we had a bad team. My top two players had kind of lost their game. And now I had lost one of the top 10 players in the country who's pulling the plug. And I'm like, man, I just, I, like you said earlier, I, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I'm, I'm losing the team here. It's all falling apart. And I look back and there's no way we win these two championships if that kid doesn't call and decommit because uh, word kind of got out that he had decommitted and John Dubois reached out to us. And he said, I know I'm committed to a, a D2 school, but I've always wanted to be a Florida Gator. It's an hour and a half up the road for me. My, my parents love it. This is where I want to be. So I said, John, we got to do this the right way. You got to call your coach. It's very different than football recruiting. There's like a, there's some unwritten rules in golf recruiting. Everyone for the most part kind of respects commitments. You know, when someone's committed, they don't, they don't recruit them anymore. And uh, it actually couldn't be more opposite than football, I guess. But uh, and I hopefully I'm not a naive coach in saying that I, we try and all follow the unwritten rules. But uh, so John had to call his coach, decommit and then came for a visit here. And as soon as he got on campus, he's like, you know, you can show me the facilities. You can show me around. But I'm this is where I want to be. I'm coming. And if you offer me a spot, I'm coming to Florida. And that's 
I think there's something really valuable to that. The kids who really believe in this place before you have to tell them a word or before they see a facility, it means a lot to me. Um, you know, obviously it helps them get through the tough times when the strict John was in and out of the lineup early in his career. And I mean, there was never a mention of a transfer portal or, or leaving. He, he loved this place so much and wanted to figure it out. So uh, he just kept getting better. And uh, he worked at it really hard. Fred Biondi and Ricky Castillo were his roommates. They've been roommates for four years. So he was around some really special players who I think, you know, maybe probably in any sport, you know, when you have elite players like that, they talk a certain way, they carry a certain confidence. And that started to rub off on John. He's naturally very humble and uh, maybe shy about talking about his own game. Well, kind of an inner confidence started coming out. And then, uh, you know, I don't want to say out of nowhere because he had a couple top five finishes, but I mean, he won the SEC championship individually last year. And that was like, whoa, you know, that's a big deal. We have, we have the best players in, in, in the world in our conference and he beat them all shot an unbelievable 64 in round two. So that was when it was like, shoot, maybe, Maybe John's, you know, even more special than we thought. And then he's just absolutely him and Fred were the ones you could rely on. I think, you know, if uh, if if the guys were in a dicey situation or, you know, out having too good of a time, John's always the level headed one that can say, hey, boys, we, we got to shut her down and uh, we you, we got something bigger to represent and we're going to do the right thing here. You could always count on him to do that. And uh you know, you look at his performance this postseason, uh, doesn't get talked about as much as, as maybe Yushin, Fred, and Ricky, but he was so rock solid. We, I think we counted pretty much every round that he played across the board. He went, I believe, 5-1 and one in match play across that. He came down in that van, came back in that Vanderbilt match from, from three or four down to Reed Davenport. So he just was Mr. Reliable for us, Mr. Calm. He's an unbelievable human being. I, I'd want to be his friend if, if he wasn't on my golf team. He's just a fun guy to be around and always brings a good attitude and a witty sense of humor. And, uh, man, I'm so proud of John. And when he got the opportunity to, to get that COVID year back, uh, I thought it was a no-brainer for him. He's going to be kind of in the running for that PGA Tour University this year. And uh, so if he goes out and has a great year and wins a few times – uh, he'll have those same opportunities as, as Ricky and Fred and Yushin did this year. So I'm excited for him. He's our unequivocal leader uh, this year, and he's got a got a great opportunity to step in there and and be our one or two guy. So we'll uh, it's all up to him now. We'll see what happens. Uh, JC, final question: Who are the who are the other names that we should be looking out for? Obviously, you're replacing a a, a number of your top five there, but uh, who are, who are some names that Gator fans should be uh, looking out for? Well, it's an interesting question because uh, I'm. In a weird way, uh, probably more excited for this season than I've ever been in my coaching career. Because, um, to be honest, I think the expectations have been relieved a little bit, winning at, at the rate that we did this year and getting that SEC and getting the Natty. Um, it helps a little bit build some credibility for our program and for us. So there's a little bit of relieved pressure. Um, but we have, uh, you know, I saw – you know, the media is putting out their, their preseason rankings and I hadn't seen us in any of the top 10 rankings. And, and I've, I've been posting them in our team chat every single time they come out and keep telling the guys, no one thinks we're going to be any good boys, like zero respect for you guys. Um, and I don't probably know the names of what the lineup's going to be yet, mm -hmm. 
but I got a feeling we're going to be really, really good. We got three freshmen, uh, two from the state of Florida, one from Virginia who are unbelievable. All three of them swing really fast, have a ton of power, great technique. So I got a feeling it's hard at this level, but I got a feeling at least two of them, maybe all three of them will make an impact on us this year. Uh, Luke Poulter, uh, his dad, obviously big name. Ian Poulter's doing some great things on the live tour. Now his son redshirted last year, Luke, no one knows about Luke and he's unbelievable at golf. He's just, he's been around the best players in the world his whole life and the kid can really play. So he's obviously got an, uh, a chance to make an opportunity for himself and make a name for himself. And then, uh, we dipped into the portal and uh, we got the, the number one ranked player out of the transfer portal and Ian Gilligan. Ian signed with us uh, about a month ago and he was ranked 13th in the whole country last year. So adding a player like that uh, was big time. And uh, I think Ian's got a chance to really elevate his game and, and make it a name for himself here. So I don't know who the lineup's going to be and what it's going to shake out. I really don't. I truly believe that. and We'll let the guys golf scores figure that out. But uh, by the time March and, and April rolls around and Duds and I have had a chance to develop them for, for a few months, uh, I got a chance we're going we're gonna to surprise some people and hopefully have a couple of those media guys eat crow about not putting us in those rankings. I love it. Well, I know Yushin Lin came from uh, USC, right? So he had a great career after transferring from uh, from over there, and then uh, hopefully we can uh, we can see that from the the Long Beach State, I believe, transfer, right? So, uh, JC, man, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on uh, this week, and and congratulations to you and the and the team, and it's it's awesome to watch. We sponsor a guy, uh, the company I work for sponsors a guy on the Corn Ferry. So it was, uh, it's really cool to watch each and every week and then watch Ricky Castillo come out and Yushin Lin and, and the rest of the guys uh, get into their professional career and start rocking. So, uh, JC, it's, it's been awesome to watch over the last few years. Congratulations to you and the team, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, my pleasure, guys, and keep up the great work. The, the passion y'all pour into the Florida Gators is amazing. Um, proud to have you guys wearing our logo like I, like I told Nick. I love he. He tweeted something about it uh, a couple months ago, and it went viral, and uh, it all helps us build the brand. But uh, love the Gators, love that logo, and really, really appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully, I, uh, I didn't talk too much. No, no you were great. Uh, great. Best logo right. in sports. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. See you, Thanks, JC. Mm. Mm. That interview was like a firing a 59, Dan. Yeah, that, that's, that's something that I've not yet done. Interview, yeah. ah, maybe in a putt putt course. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Uh, but uh, man, what a what a good conversation. Um, Silk Ahmad and I had that conversation with JC a few years ago. Um, very enjoyable then, uh, but uh, you know, certainly as a national champion. And then Nick, as as your interest in golf is uh, certainly. Um, a little bit stronger than, than Ahmad's interest in golf was at the time conversation went, went really well. So it's great to, uh, to chat with JC, uh, boys, let's get into a couple more ad reads and we'll get to the, uh, to the end of the program here. Let's give a shout out to our friends over at alumni hall. Go visit alumni hall.com for your latest and greatest in all Florida Gators apparel, accessories, uh, cookout, uh, tents chairs all that kind of stuff that you're going to need for tailgate season gentlemen we are like gosh like six weeks away from the start of football season so no better time to check out your coaches polos uh your nike your champion your cutter and buck and everything in between go check out alumnihall.com 
or go visit them on Archer Road in Gainesville, Florida. All right. Um, let's see, gentlemen. Um, Cole Kublik ranks the top five SEC program or SEC stadiums. Uh, to play in number five, Ben Hill Griffin, number four, LSU, number three, Sanford Stadium, where Georgia plays, number two, Tennessee, and then number one, Alabama. What do you guys think of that order? I don't know if I agree 100%. I think, I think a lot of that, that, I think a lot of that is uh, where Cole played. Cole played at Auburn. So the yeah. atmosphere for the Iron Bowl at Bryant Denny Stadium for an Auburn offensive lineman has to be one of the unrivaled uh, experiences you can have. Sure. Um, that's just unbridled hate. Um, me personally, and mine's not coming from playing in, so mine's way different. I'm sitting right. up in the press box. Um, 1A, 1B, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium and, and Tiger Stadium. Uh, yeah. There's no better experience. I've been to 12 of the 14, haven't been to Auburn, obviously haven't been to Georgia. Mm -hmm. Um there's no better environment. And, and I think 2A, 2B, uh, or 3A, 3B, however that math works out, would be Tennessee yeah, and, and Alabama. Yeah. Um, Neyland Stadium, it gets loud. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's just the way the stadiums are constructed. Um, Neyland and Alabama kind of go out, while uh, Tiger Stadium and Ben Hill Griffin Stadium are just built straight up. Mm -hmm. And it kind of keeps the noise in, uh, reverberates. Um, but to me, those are the top four in, in my mind. Um, yeah. it, best city is obviously Nashville and Vanderbilt. Uh, that's the worst right. uh, stadium atmosphere, though. I think I didn't get really an Ole Miss experience because it was during COVID, but I think that might be cool. But that's a smaller stadium. Mm -hmm. To me, the top four uh, in the first class are Florida LSU, second class Tennessee, Alabama. Yeah, no, I think uh, Nathaniel Rogers says the team with the best players is the stadium most feared. Uh, I would agree. I, I do agree with Nick. I would put, I would put LSU at number one. I would put Ben Hill Griffin number two. I'm not. I, there's just something about LSU. I think this entire atmosphere, uh, that night game in Tiger Stadium, in my opinion, is the probably the most revered college football atmosphere that you can imagine. Uh, that's a very close second with Florida. There's nothing wrong with Florida. It's just a little bit different. Um, you and know, I'll say this: if you, <laughs> I'll say this: if you, if you're a Florida fan, I've never had a bad experience with LSU fans. I see some people say they're the worst, and it might be like banter between back and forth but if you're a nice person before yep. the game in baton rouge all they want to do is feed you and show you their culture uh, mm -hmm. and it's some great food down there so if it's you're just a culture. nice person um just putting out good vibes you're gonna get fed on your way to the stadium uh they might touch on on your out or the full of july yeah you know it, it's all right yeah so what are your thoughts uh, I think I need to visit more stadiums. Yeah. Um, that's that's my thought. I, I don't want to just throw some. I'm going to say Ben Hill won because, uh, <laughs> that's what you know, you how mean. many away games do I go to, man? I'm a home game guy. So I need to get into some more away stadiums just from a TV vibe and watching games um, from that perspective. Like Dan said, uh, LSU Stadium rocks. Um, and then yeah. I also, in my mind, everybody in the stadium speaks uh, like the one guy from Waterboy. Um, <laughs> so that's intimidating as well, not, not hearing good English. Uh, so I got LSU high. Um, you, you hear, I don't know of a SC stadium that that doesn't rock, right? So I just got to go to more games. That's my opinion. I heard Tennessee, um, just from a how much, how much the capacity standpoint, that it, that it could mm -hmm. be intimidating the way that stadium set up. But um, 
I like Nick's perspective as well. Cole Cubit played, you know, he's, he could be a little biased, and he also played in those stadiums. But I got to yeah. go to more away games. That's my that's my take. Yeah, I would say um, if we're talking worst, um, I would say that that Vanderbilt's obviously the worst. It just is what it's it terrible. is, right? Small school fan base that's not interested. Uh, many other things to do in Nashville, and for the elite most part, weather city. not great. What? No, elite in elite city. city. An elite city. Uh, it gets cold. It gets rainy weather in Nashville. Uh, an elite city, not elite weather. Uh, Mizzou, also not a great place. Uh, stadium's kind of sunken in a little bit. Uh, Columbia's not your traditional SEC Bad. college town. Um, Bad town. I, I will say this, Texas A&M fans, maybe one of you are listening to this show right now. Um, first off, you're involved in a cult. Seek help. Number two, wasn't as impressed with Texas A&M as I thought I might be um, when I saw a game there. It was pre them joining the SEC. This would have been in 2000 and uh, what year? 2011. Um, but was not as impressed as I thought I would be in uh, in College Station. Nobody puts the Colts in agriculture quite like Texas A&M, Dan. I love that quote. They should put it on a T-shirt, and they should just make it maroon and white, and all of their fan base uh, would wear it. Um, I'm, I'm not kidding. When I was there, I was there uh, during the week, and then I was also there on a weekend. Um, their fan or their student population, without a doubt, I am not making this number, 90-plus percent of students were wearing Texas A&M things just on a random day. Yep, I have never seen a school that has more, I don't even want to call it pride, just more laser focus on two colors uh, oh, than Texas A&M does. Um, it was a really good it was a really good environment um last year when we were there. Mm. It the, the team was terrible. They mm. were missing half of their more than half of their starters and yeah. it was raining and, yeah, the and they people just the like the people just stood there and, and like watched the game and they did their their war, whatever their war chant back and mm -hmm. forth, the stadium rocked. Um, but I can echo that sentiment. Like it's not like not having school pride, but if I went on campus right now, like mm -hmm. you'd see students wearing a red shirt, right. not like a Georgia shirt, but just a red shirt or a right. pink shirt. You only wear, there's like only two yep. colors to be worn in college yep. station. You're wearing maroon or white. Yep. And if it's a white shirt, it's got some kind of Aggie yeah. or an A&M logo on it. Yep. Yep. Um, so that uh, that leads to that. Um, don't think that we have anything else, Nick. Um, media anything... days Wednesday. Say what? Media day. Media day Wednesday. Oh, sorry. Media days Wednesday. Media day starts today. Um, right. Yeah. Media but, day for the Gators. Yeah, but uh, Florida will speak on when. Or Billy Napier and the Florida Gators will be there on Wednesday. Um, Zach Albaverde is taking the reins for us. Uh, I'm going to be able to stay at home and uh, help Zach out from home. It'll be the first time I'm not at SC Media Day since 2013, but with all the traveling I'm done, yeah. uh, thankful that they're just letting me, you know, sit this one out and watch yeah. from home. Yeah, in Nick's, in Nick's favorite city. It is at the Grand Hyatt in downtown mm -hmm. Nashville. Uh, Jason Marshall, Ricky Pearsall, Kingsley Iguakin, and Billy Napier will be representing uh, the Florida Gators. Um, you surprised by any of those names? No, Billy Napier, and I'll say this, Billy Napier views this as a reward for older players. Mm. Um, I'm not surprised that you're not bringing a quarterback. While we all expect Graham Mertz to be the Gators' starting quarterback, you bring a quarterback to Nashville, you are announcing him as your guy. You're announcing him as the leader of your team and your starting quarterback. 
Billy Napier, while we expect it, has not named Graham Mertz a starter, so I don't expect him, didn't expect him to bring Graham, despite Graham being a an older player going into his fourth year. Maybe Nashville can't handle Mertz mania, you know? Yeah. Maybe they're just not Nashville. ready, mm. you know? Um, but Ricky came back uh, for his fifth year. Uh, Kingsley is a senior. So, like, no, I'm not surprised um, at, at the guys that, that they're bringing at all. Mm. So, I want to see it. No, I'm not surprised. Uh, like, I, I want to I want to hear these guys speak. You know, from a, just of who they are standpoint, I think it's it's good who we got going. Uh, Jason Marshall isn't a, a, a outgoing guy on socials or anything like that, so I'm interested in to see uh, what he has to say out there in Nashville, um, and also Ricky Pearsall. I mean, what are they wearing? I think the boys gonna come super dapper per you. Mm, mm. yeah. Who y'all got for best? We might we beforehand, we beforehand. might. I, I think I'm gonna go. Ooh. I think I got to go Slick Rick. Slick Rick. It's just something about the name Slick Rick. Uh, I almost went with um, Jason Marshall. Kingsley just seems like a you know, meat and potatoes type of guy. He but can't really call. Yeah, so, yeah. Hong Kong Andy don't really have a lot of shit no, in no. Arsenal for big guys like that on deck. So. Yeah, that's a lot of fabric. A lot of fabric <laughs> to ship, ship over exactly. from Hong Kong. So. A lot of threads, man. <laughs> I'll, break, I'll break this down. Kingsley is going to be, look, the most – professional like you could you could take kingsley's outfit and put him into an office right now yeah he's, he's going to look good dad. he's going to look good but yes a brooks <laughs> brother's dad jason marshall there won't be socks it'll be like a slide on like a slipper mm. no socks uh some additional drip absolutely okay. ricky is liable to come out in like <laughs> some gray pants with an orange suede jacket I'll no shirt no shirt under it yeah so ricky will be <laughs> Uh, the 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 youngest hip looking, Jason Marshall will have subtle hints of swag, and Kingsley will look like he's ready to hit the floor uh, in in day trade. I watched both uh Ricky and Jason Marshall's pregame a lot last year. You know, seeing mm-hmm. what they what they what they came in, uh, both both were pretty dapper. To keep it a bean, I think it's gonna be a close match. But if I had to go with one, pretty Ricky is a hard one to go because he he puts a lot of effort into each game. Uh, coming super duper fly, man. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's gonna come half stepping at all. But both of those guys, Jason. Both of those guys are also like uh, jacket turtleneck guys, mm. right? I don't know if you want to do that. You might. It's it's hot. It's, yeah. it's a little bit nicer. Well, listen, they're getting. It they're, is not they're, nicer they're, in Nashville, Nick. <laughs> they're they're getting they're getting on a they're getting on a uh, a uh, like a I almost said bus. They're getting on like a bus to. They're getting on the citation. The air, right? They're getting on a bus to the airport. A PJ. To another bus in Nashville and then into a, a hotel. So and there's not they a lot were, of outside time. If they were a turtleneck, TSA is going to hold them hostage for sure. Man. Hey, like, they're flying private, baby. There ain't no TSA. Oh, my God. Somebody's going to call the cops. <laughs> that's, that's they were turtlenecks in, in, in July. Athens PD will be right on the case. Absolutely. All right, gentlemen. Uh, let's see one final ad read and then we will get out of here. Uh, I think it's my song of the week. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, so as always, want to give a final shout out to our friends over at Home Field Apparel. Go visit them at homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code Stadium and Gale and get 15% off your order. They have 20 different UF uh, lo- uh, vintage logo t shirts, uh, sweaters, uh, and those baseball three quarter t uh, shirts that you can look at. Go check them out, homefieldapparel.com, promo code Stadium and Gale. 
gets you 15% off of your first order. Uh, they have a bunch of other schools, and they also have the Indianapolis Colts, should you want to go root on Anthony Richardson uh, and his team. So, again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code Stadium and Gale. Uh, and let's see, song of the week this week is We Will Play Let You Down uh, by Young Bombs featuring Deza. That's a great new uh, little EDM, a little housey. Uh, oh, and by the way, if you're in Tampa on September 1st, Two Friends, the group that I go went and saw at uh, Red Rocks at the end of May, is going to be in Tampa. I will be there. Got table, got VIP service, ready to rock and roll. You boys are invited to if you want to come. Uh, but September 1st, go check out Two Friends. September That's 1st, it. I believe I'll still be in Utah. You will be in Utah. Yep. yep. So will I. Yep. Hey, you guys will be in Utah. You guys will be big in mountains, man. I'm all about the mountains in 2023. We're gonna go out there and see some uh mountains and we're gonna beat the snot out of some utes. What the fuck is a ute? <laughs> you Sorry, curse. I, I hey, they do, uh, they do a, like a, a, a they do like tribe. a um thing, but just with the with the, the one finger. I know what side. a ute is. I just said that oh. last year. I don't know what a ute is. It's it's a tribe, yeah, yeah. It's, it's oh. a indigenous Sh people's tribe. Shout out to the tribe. Bobby a ran down on tribe in, in September, bro. We're gonna kick this thing off with a win. Sure. You're, you're, but if you watch my cousin Vinny, he said a Ute. What are you doing? Yeah. Utes. All right, boys. We'll see at the same corner, same time next week, unless, of course, we get another commitment, which you will see us do a quick pop-up show on that. Same see corner, same time next week. Yep. Nick, glad to have you back, buddy. Glad put to be back. Put, put the hat on one time before we leave, oh, Nick. Okay, okay. Yeah, we got to screenshot this. Hey, <laughs> hey, I ain't gonna lie, that shit kind of dapper, bro. I ain't gonna lie to you. Looking bro. good, Dan. Hating ass Dan. Can't touch this hat. <laughs> uh, well, if you uh, are still here, please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, share with your friends. Thanks for your time, and we will see you guys next week.
Let me let you down, down. Let me let you. Let me let you down. 